With spring football now underway, the Missouri assistant coaches met with the media yesterday. Some interesting comments from them. I'll have my comments as well. Plus, what do we think about the Elam ending possibly coming to college basketball? Well, all of this and more coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And today's episode is brought to you by Run Your Pool. March Madness is here and Run Your Pool has a better way to create your bracket. RunYourPool.com, the premier sports pool hosting service and of course we'll have much more on how to run your pool as we get into march here it is indeed march 1st and you know what by the way on this day in mizzou history john sunvold hit a 20-foot jump shot with one second left to clinch the tigers fourth straight big eight championship with a 49 47 win over kansas state thank you very much to missouri historian tom orf for that particular note but you know what We'll get to basketball later. Let's start with football because obviously, believe it or not, even though it's not officially spring yet, Missouri has already had a couple spring practices and obviously not a ton of huge breaking news or detail is going to come from most of these practices. But it was interesting to hear from the Missouri coaches yesterday, including, of course, new Missouri defensive coordinator, Blake Baker. And one thing that Baker is is emphasizing already is he is going to keep a lot of the terminology that was installed by Steve Wilkes last year. You heard from Darius Robinson at one point, Missouri defensive lineman, saying that, quite frankly, from his perspective, one of the reasons that Missouri got better as the year went along is they actually just knew what the heck they were doing, to put it as simply as I possibly can. So, One thing I think as fans we fail to take into consideration is this is not the National Football League. These truly are student athletes, and their time is limited by the rules. So basically, as football coaches, during the season, you get about 20 hours a week with these young men. So there's a lot to get to in that amount of time. So I think Blake Baker is really smart to cut out maybe some wasted time there and sort of trying to adapt 50 to 100 guys, as he said, to his terminology instead of him, who's one person just trying to adopt to Missouri's terminology from last year. I I think that's a a move that makes an awful lot of sense to me. Now, it seems like, based on what everybody who covered this event said, it seems like Al Davis was really the star of the show. Missouri's one of Missouri's defensive line coaches. And I say one of because now Al is actually now focusing on just the defensive ends that part of the football. And that's actually something that he's really embraced, it sounds like. And he has some interesting comments here. I apologize for not cutting this bite, but you know what? I'll just read what Al said here. He said, at this level with the quarterback being a being a runner, the defensive end's play is different. Coaching D tackles is a little bit more simplified. It's more about the technique, the fundamentals, and consistent reps over and over and over. 
They need to do the same thing over and over and over. Everything changes for defensive ends depending on where the back aligns. Is the quarterback more mobile or just a packet, a pocket passer? Excuse me. Coaching defensive ends takes a lot of time and energy, and I was spread real thin. I don't need to be the king of the hill to shine. I'll shine if statistically we're the best D-line in the country. So it doesn't matter to me if it's six other coaches or me by, by myself. It's about trying to get the kids exactly what they need. Well, obviously a great attitude there from Coach Davis. And again, sounds like a real personable, likable guy. You can see why Drinkwitz gave him a, an obviously well-deserved promotion last season but I I did think that that was interesting just hearing his insight there just talking about especially in modern college football where most of the time the quarterback is in a shotgun you know depending on if the, the the back is aligned in a pistol formation or to the left or to the right of the quarterback well that's going to totally change what defensive ends have to do especially when a lot of times you see these these read option based style offenses these read type plays well often the defensive end goes unblocked because he's a read defender well guess what as a defensive end compared to say 10 15 20 years ago your responsibilities are completely different you not only have to worry about rushing the passer and obviously stopping the traditional run game but also all the the quarterback run game the screen game the wide receiver screen stuff obviously the play action game there's and, and obviously you're, sometimes you're going to have to be on the jet sweep as well you're going to be unblocked and maybe have to be you know some type of of contain against that play as well so again it is i just thought it was interesting to hear from coach davis about just how much the defensive line play has changed over the years we also heard from running backs coach curtis looper And I thought his comments were fairly interesting and somewhat revealing as well because Looper said that he is open to a committee for all intents and purposes. He said, hey, running back by committee, you know, that's something that can be really hard to defend. And I'm glad to actually hear that we're open to that possibility because so far we've essentially had two bell cow workhorse type running backs for Missouri under Drinkwitz. Of course, Tyler Beatty last year and Larry Roundtree the year before but looper provided a little insight here saying that last season they weren't expecting Beatty to take that huge of a load it just turned out that well it turns out tyler Beatty is a tough son of a gun and a heck of a heck of a football player too and he basically just took the reins so it seemed to me that through his comments he was sort of through the media almost challenging elijah young and nathaniel pete the the Stanford transfer, former Rockbridge grad. It seems like he was challenging those guys that, hey, if you want all the carries, if you want a Tyler Beatty workload, well, we'll give it to you, but you're going to have to earn it. On the other hand, if a committee is the best approach for the Tigers, well, and frankly, I think that's probably the direction that Missouri ends up going this fall, but it sounds like we're open to all the possibilities. And as a coach, that's exactly where you should be, especially in spring football. Now, of course, what would a Missouri spring football show be without talking about Luther Burden, right? Well, let's talk about the hyped number one wide receiver in his high school class this last season. He's already had his first couple Missouri practices, so let's talk about Luther coming up. But first, I want to tell you about the newest sponsor on the Locked On Mizzou podcast, and that's 
run your pool and with March Madness just a few weeks away you got to be start you got to start thinking now where you're going to run your bracket well are you going to go for the usual or do you want the best well here's the thing runyourpool.com is the best and that's where we are running our brackets here at the Locked On Podcast Network and along with standard brackets Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X, both really fun games in their own way. They have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks, all kinds of stuff that you won't find at ESPN or CBS. Well, clearly, we believe run your we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said before, we are running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. So if you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, Join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for friends and family. Enter pure madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. And thanks, as always, for making Locked on Mizzou your first listen every day. And thanks for telling your friends that we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including on YouTube, if you like the video version. But you know what? Let's talk about Luther Burden and just that Missouri receiving core in general. And so far, a little bit we've heard about Luther Burden has been nothing but praise, basically. And not just about his football acumen. I think it's very his talent it, it could not be more obvious if you've ever seen him play at all. But obviously Drinkwitz and staff makes the kids earn their number. Well, he's earned his number three already. And so far he's basically getting rave reviews from not only the coaching staff, but also teammates like 45-year-old Barrett Bannister, who seemingly has been around since the Reagan administration. But even Barrett Bannister has gone out of his way to point out that Burden is just asking a lot of questions, just being a humble young cat, not at all just pounding his chest and acting like, hey, the star's here, the savior's here, everybody. No, he's acting like a guy who needs to prove himself at the college level, which, frankly, he does. For as much of a stud as he is, every single high school player When you step foot on campus, guess what? You should feel like you need to prove yourself. And I'm glad that so far Burden is is showing a decent amount of humility, for sure. That's a good sign. I think he's going to be an absolute star for Missouri, and that's not exactly a hot take, folks. But I'm just telling you, from the little I've seen him play, he absolutely lives up to the hype. Now, one thing interesting to notice so far – oh, my God, let me start that sentence over. One thing that's interesting to note so far is that Burden is playing 100% on the outside right now. Just, again, a couple practices. But they say that, hey, well, maybe they'll, he'll move inside at some point, learn that position as well, just to sort of move him around the formation. But quite honestly, I think Missouri has enough guys to play in the slot. The, the aforementioned Barrett Bannister, you got Mookie Cooper. He spends a lot of time in the slot, and hopefully a more healthy offseason off-season should be a very good thing for Mookie in his production this fall. But again, I think that's a very good thing. That if, I think he should play on the outside for the most part because Missouri really struggled, I thought, at that position last year to take the top off the defense at times and just have somebody on the boundary of the field who was a big-time threat. We saw 
you know, moments from Dominic Lovett, but just not enough consistency. Again, he was a true freshman last season, hopefully with an entire offseason under his belt. Maybe Missouri is much more powerful at that offside outside receiver slots this season with Burden and, of course, Dominic Lovett. Perhaps J.J. Hester can make a, can make a leap. Also, I think Makai Miller, another true freshman, I think he's a real talent out of out of Kansas City. And really, if it weren't for Burden, I think Miller would be getting a lot more love from Missouri fans. So he's maybe flying under the radar a little bit. Maybe he can see the field this fall and 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 be a productive guy. I, I definitely surprised whatsoever. And naturally, with the quarterback position being unsettled at this point. Naturally, the new quarterbacks coach, Bush Hamden, was asked about that position. And my biggest takeaway really is I'm glad that Tyler Macon has not been completely ruled out because it seems like some Missouri fans have just decided that, well, he doesn't have it for whatever reason. Based on not a ton of evidence, by the way, but a guy who's just had one year in the program, let's maybe pump the brakes on just deciding that, oh, he's never going to start here. He's going to transfer and this and that. I think that's a little premature. And as Coach Hamden says here, he talks about Tyler Macon. He says everything really just comes down to, to his consistency as a thrower because certainly every day he makes about three or four plays that a lot of guys don't make. For him, it's just doing the easy things over and over and over again at a high level. It certainly starts with accuracy. Now, I think it's pretty obvious that at times – this has been said by Drinkwitz, I believe, at times that Macon does have a tendency to sort of drop his arm angle and, and throw sidearm a little bit. And I think that, as Hamden said, there's a fine line there. He says, I certainly think from a release standpoint, from an accuracy standpoint, it's got to be repeatable. I don't think you're ever going into a direction where you're completely changing a guy's mechanics, but you're certainly watching it with him. And going like eight out of nine, nine out of ten times, we've got to be hitting the spots that we need to hit. So again, it sounds like it may just be an accuracy issue for Macon and maybe a decision-making issue as well because I think the play that really stood out to me when he started against Georgia last year, there was an empty set on third and long. Basically, the guy just to, I believe it was Chance Looper, whoever was just to Macon's left, was basically uncovered. He ran right down the seam, wide open. It was probably the easiest pass you could have possibly completed against a really good Georgia defense on third and long, but Macon just simply didn't see him. So, again, I, I'm still a believer in Macon in terms of just raw talent. Sounds like there's some more work to go, but to me, I, I just think it's way, way, way too early to be giving up on that kid whatsoever. It's not as though this is my opinion solely, by the way. There's a reason... The guys like Trent Dilfer were high on Tyler Macon. There's a reason he went to the Elite 11 quarterback camp. I'm not the only one who saw it. So again, as Missouri fans, let's not give up on him just yet. And coming up, I want to talk. Actually, I want to switch gears. And let's go to the hardwood for a little bit. If you're an NBA fan, or maybe you've just noticed the last three NBA All-Star games have had a rather radical, different type of of rules, a different type of e ending, something now known as the Elam ending. Well, is this something that could come to college basketball? I think it should be strongly considered. So let's talk about the Elam ending. But first, football season might be over 
for this year. But you know what? Basketball is, of course, in full steam, whether it is whether college basketball or pro hoops. If that's your bag, well, either way, we've got you covered at betonline.net, which remains the best spot for not only betting, but also scores, podcasts and sports news this season. And of course, not just basketball either. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, Olympics, the Olympic sports, whatever you want. We've got you covered at BetOnline.net. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action over at BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so if you're not familiar with the Elam ending, this whole concept, by the way, that name does not come from former Denver Broncos kicker Jason Elam. No, a Ball State professor by the name. His last name is Elam. That's where that comes from. This is his idea. But here's here's the example I'll give you. So the NBA All-Star game, there's actually a bunch of ways to get to the Elam ending. And I'm, I'm frankly not married to any of, of the ways to actually get there. But here's how here's how the NBA has done it for the last for the last three seasons, and I'll give the give the example from a couple years ago. After Kobe Bryant, his his tragic death, uh, they did in order to honor him. Basically, what the NBA did was the following: no fourth quarter would be timed. There was the usual rules for the first three quarters, but then when the fourth quarter came, well. You had to win by hitting a target score. So essentially, the concept here is like every pickup basketball game, right? Instead of having a timed game, no pickup games, you play to 15 for the most part, right? Now, unfortunately, we play by ones and twos for some bizarre reason. I'm not going to get off on too much of a rant here, but my God, can we just play by twos and threes on pickup, please? For me, the big guy. All right. Anyway. I digress. The point is, that's the whole idea of the Elam ending, right? What it essentially fixes is the foul game at the end of just about every basketball game where it's like, oh, we have to foul and lengthen the time, and it becomes a parade to the free throw line. It's no longer basketball. It becomes a free throw contest at the end of far too many basketball games. Well, again, let's go back to that Kobe Bryant example. So what happened is at the end of of the third quarter whoever's leading the game well we're gonna we're gonna add 24 points 24 for Kobe Bryant right so let's say the team LeBron or team Giannis whoever was playing let's say it was 100 to 96 all right so in other words in other words to win this game in the fourth quarter whoever's gonna win is gonna get to 124 first again the team that had 100 well we're gonna add 24 onto them. So in other words, you're going to have to score 24 points to win. If you're the team that's ahead, you're going to have to score 28 points to win. If you're the team that's trailing, right? So again, what does this eliminate? Not only does it eliminate the foul game, the endless parade to the free throw line, but to me, it also eliminates the terrible end of game possessions that we see constantly In NBA basketball and college basketball, it's actually even worse because the players aren't as good. You know how everybody just wants to take the last shot, right? If it's a tie game and they take it down and take it down and take some terrible step-back three-pointer at the buzzer that goes in about 15% of the time, well, guess what? You would actually just run a regular basketball play. To me, 
I'm so tired of the free throw parade. Number one, I think that's a good enough reason for me to get a get on board with the Elam ending. Now I understand that this is a radical proposal. Well, guess what? The three-point line was pretty radical back in the day, too, and I think it's been better for basketball. I really do. But to me, this is actually less radical than than the three-point line because, again, this is how everyone plays pickup basketball. If you've ever played basketball on the streets, in the playground, well, guess what? In your driveway, you don't have a clock. You play to a target score. So this really isn't that bizarre. The only downside to this that I can see is, of course, well, no more buzzer beaters, right? The famous Christian Leitner play against Kentucky. When Grant Hill throws it the length of the court, Leitner hits the turnaround jump shot. I'll give you that. That's an iconic play that under these rules, there'd still be a shot clock, but with no game clock, with no two seconds left in the game, well, there's no reason for anybody to run that type of play. But my argument is, Despite the fact that, yes, there's some iconic plays like, well, we'd get rid of the Tyus Edney play. Hey, there's another plus, right? But seriously, even though you would miss the occasional iconic buzzer beater, I think 99% of the time you're actually going to get more entertaining basketball toward the end of these games. Instead of, again, fouls and and pressure-packed free throws, I guess, more often what you're going to get, again, if it's a close game going into the fourth quarter in that scenario – it gets down to be close towards as both teams are very close to the target score. Well, every single shot attempt, every turnover, every step out of bounds, every every miss layup is going to become so tense and pressure-packed as these teams get ever so closer to that target score. I'm just telling you, it's actually a lot of fun. It really works in just in just terms of of excitement I, I think it absolutely is more entertaining and to me that's what we're trying to create here right sports are supposed to be entertainment and the Elam ending is just better basketball to me and also well what you get is you get a walk-off win you don't get a buzzer beater but we saw LeBron walk it off in Cleveland this past all-star game kind of a cool moment right I mean so it, it's better than just 99 9 out of 10 times when the game just sort of ends with people dribbling the clock out or just sort of haplessly throwing up a 50-foot heave even though you're down eight. It's just not that exciting. To me, the Elam ending totally works. And while I'll certainly grant that, yeah, we do miss some of those buzzer beaters, the reality is there aren't nearly as many buzzer beaters as you might imagine. In fact, I bet if you go to betonline.net coming up, there will be a first four days of the tournament. Will there be a buzzer beater or not? That's often a prop bet that's pretty popular these days. Well, from my experience, the odds on that are about even. It's about a it's about a coin flip on whether there will be one buzzer beater, again, out of how many dozens of games are there in the first four days of the tournament. If the odds are there's going to be one buzzer beater, I think it's worth giving up that one or two buzzer beaters on that first weekend to make all of the games, or at least a vast, a, a huge chunk of the games, much more exciting. That's just my opinion. I'd be interested to hear what you all think of the Elam ending. But you know what? Thanks again for making this your first listen. Mount, why don't you make your second listen locked on the NFL draft with Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker. 
They bring the NFL to draft NFL draft to life every week with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou. Thank you.